This is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. Hi, this is Chris and Jeremy, and we're here for the Youth Worker Recharge. And um, the title that I put was Youth and, quote, Big Church. Oh, if I can get out my soapbox for just a minute. Every time this issue is brought to me, brought up to me, either in a church that I'm serving or in a conference where I'm speaking, um, it is this, people use that term, right? Big church and say, we we need the teens to be more involved in big church, right? And that in itself, that sentence sort of betrays an underlying problem in the whole enterprise, right? And that is that there is some part of church, the big part, the important part, where we assume teenagers are not automatically involved in its leadership, planning, implementation, whatever. And then there is this other part of what the uh, the church organization does that is assumed then to be, if that is big church, this would be little church, that would be the youth stuff. And, um, and little church is where the youth are obviously going to be involved. I love your observation about starting off with that language, right? Because um, it, it's a bit of an axiom, but we assume bigger is better. Right. There's right. And that's not always the case. Right. So I want to make sure that that's really clear. Not always. When we're talking big church, that does sort of impart the understanding that big church is the real church or the important church. And it diminishes if you were to talk about children's church, youth church, those kinds of things. Um, It also creates silos. Right. Like uh, if you are in ministry anywhere that that is near farmland. Uh, you know, the silo is that really tall building where you store up um, grain and it's very, very separate from everything else because everything inside yes. of it is protected instead of being connected to the rest of the farm. Silos in ministry happen when you talk big church, little church and use that language. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And and so while I would say, well, let's stop using that language, I think that might be a good first step. I think we really need to stop using um uh we need to to work on this sort of underlying perception that that teens and children um are not by default um involved in the rest of the church or in, involved in the the larger programming of the church um and that that is really really important um I um there there I wrote this in an article in a much more anonymous way but I will be less anonymous now okay. but it was uh, <laughs> uh you can find it's some like Christianity today ministry leadership blog somewhere but the the story goes it and it was my home church growing up there was um they were building a new building right the youth building, in fact, okay, and um, had a gym because a youth building 
has to have a gym apparently at that time in the eighties. Um, and, and so they had, uh, I mean, they, they had built the building, like it was, you're getting ready for it. And they were, then the church completely lost their mind over the naming of this building. Oh, okay. There were, there were two saints, one with the name Co, one with the name Devane in the history of the church that were important, that everybody loved. And there was a faction that wanted to call it the Co-Memorial Building. Mm. And there was another faction that wanted to call it the Devane Memorial Building, right? And, and they were rallying support. It's like you hear about churches like splitting over the color of the carpet. It was that kind of thing. People were passionate uh, about it. And this is before I joined the church. My uh, An adult in my life told me this story. So they go to this church meeting, administrative board kind of deal, right? And their speech is for and against. Co. Devane, right? On and on. People are like, well, I haven't given my money for this long to have Mr. Co not honored, whatever. Mm. It, it was like heading towards collapse and church split over this stupid issue. <laughs> um, because I don't know if you've noticed, but the old people in a church sometimes lose their cognitive ability to compromise. Okay. Right. And they split a church over the color of the carpet or, you know, the bushes that are going to be planted out front. But if you are like this church was, uh, they had a youth representative on the church council you sometimes can be saved from the disaster of adults running things. <laughs> um, so the, the student stands up and they say, uh, do you think we could possibly um, just call it the Code of Vain building? <laughs> and like, I, I, I imagine as an adult who has been in rooms where the, uh, idiocy of adulthood is on display and a teenager points it out. I imagine that in that moment, they were like, Oh, we're all being pretty dumb. <laughs> this teenager is being logical. And they made an official motion. They put it to a vote. It passed. The church stayed together. Right. Because every different age level brings their own um, strengths and weaknesses, right? Yeah. The strengths of those older people are knowing the history, knowing how wonderful Mr. or Miss, I don't know who it was, Co. and Devane were, right? That's important part of the thing. And then the strength of the youth was not having that sort of built-in allegiance to one party or the other. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so when we... When we don't allow access to leadership and um, of, of all these different ages, what we do is we just cut off um, 
we cut off our ability to, to really hear all of the voices and have all of the perspectives and all of the different kinds of wisdom that are available. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, and I was going to say, <clears throat> I love that story because one of the real strengths um, of the congregation that ended up coming up, right. Is youth were sitting in that meeting and had the yes. ability to have that voice and have that voice heard. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't ha- often happen by mistake, right? It takes yes. a lot of intentionality by leadership, whether that is you as the youth leader, uh, the pastoral mm-hmm. leadership, uh, the way that the um, administrative council, or if you're at a church that has kind of like one governing board, um, mm-hmm. it, it takes intentionality by leaders in those positions to be able to make space for people that have different perspectives from mm-hmm. these age level ministries that often find themselves pretty easily siloed, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, th- there's a really, really awesome friend, friend of the show, actually, right? Friend of the show. Sam has hung Sam out Halverson? with us a couple Is of this times. Who we're... Yeah. So oh. Sam Halverson, who is in the North Georgia Annual Conference, um, wrote a yes. book called One Body, Integrating Teenagers into the Whole Life of the Church. Tremendous yes. resource. I put the link in our live chat. Um, and I'm going to share a couple of the pieces from that resource, um, right. not in, not in the amount of depth that he will go into there, but um, this is an area that that he really specialized in um, and was yeah. published through the Youth Cartel uh, with this particular well, and still does right. He's oh, yeah. he's now doing this in a senior pastor role in a local church brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the research that kind of backs up the stuff that Sam has created and shared uh, comes from a long lineage of youth ministry research, right? The Fuller Youth Institute, um, once upon a time, did this study called Sticky Faith. uh, And there have been subsequent, tough word, subsequent um, studies that have kind of backed up the findings from that research. And it says a couple of things. One, parents are the most influential people in the lives of uh, their youth's faith, okay? Uh, So if you are siloing youth away from their parents, you are missing an opportunity to create a faith that lasts or a faith that will help stick with that young person as they grow into adulthood. Uh, Second, uh, one of the other big pieces from that research is that youth who were involved in congregational worship and were integrated into whole church ministries had a better chance of staying connected with that church as they grew into adulthood. Okay. Yes. That makes sense to me for a couple of reasons. One, um, when you are doing specific like programming, and I'm not talking ministry here, right? I will use the programming word. When you're doing youth ministry programming, there yes. will reach a point in a young person's life where all of a sudden there is not somebody specifically designing a program for their age group, right? Right. They will graduate up and graduate into adulthood. Um, mm-hmm. And the adult church, while diverse and beautiful and everything else, does not do the same sort of intentionally historic yep. programming that youth ministries have done, right? So when you do that stuff, it creates silos. Some of the questions that Sam asks, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these, Jeremy, um, is if you're looking for signs that your youth ministry might be siloed, some of the things that we actually seek to create um, unintentionally create these silos. So if I was mm-hmm. to look at my own youth ministry, do I have a separate youth space in which my ministry activities take place? Right. Is there a youth worship that takes place at the same time as the big church or whole church worship service? And if so, that prevents not only the youth, but me too 
from being able to be in front of the congregation and forming relationships in that worship? Um, are there youth-specific mission trips or mission experiences? Are there youth-specific retreats that do not involve parents or siblings uh, and open themselves up to intergenerational pieces? Um, so here, here's a, a real tough part for youth ministry leadership. If you as the youth ministry leader do not participate in congregational worship, does not get to know the congregation outside of youth ministry programming, does not know non-staff leadership in other areas of the church, and does not work with other areas of ministry outside of youth ministry, your youth ministry absolutely could be in a silo. Right. And we got to figure out ways to break out of those. Yeah. And, and I think the more of those things that you have, the more siloed your ministry is, right? I would agree. Another, another thing, another way that I, uh, <laughs> that you can tell if a ministry or a church has silos is look to see if there is anything written on tables or folding chairs or microphones, right? If it oh. says youth ministry on the back, that is a sign that you are in a very dangerously <laughs> siloed place. If you can't even share chairs with uh, another area, um, it is, it's the problem. Yeah. I have and, not and thought think, about that one, but that's an incredibly tangible sign. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I say that because I have had to, in my life, de-silo ministries at churches. Okay. And and you and it's hard. It's hard work to do that. But you've and but you've got to start in small ways. Sure. Um, if you if you ended up if you end up that place, the, the first thing is to get the oven degreaser, spray it on the youth ministry sharpie on the back of the chairs and <laughs> remove remove it. Right. You start taking away the symbols of it at the same time that you're doing other things. Really helpful. Another way to, to deal with that de-siloing, like practically speaking, mm -hmm. is to put yourself outside of the youth ministry. Yes. Even sometimes during youth times. So we had um, youth programming that happened on Wednesday nights. Uh, so the whole church had small group classes that happened on Wednesday nights. Okay. Right? Um, and I, we did it by a semester and I would do one semester teaching in the youth ministry, one semester teaching in the adult ministry. Right. Um, cool. and I tried to make sure that I was in worship planning. Yeah. Right. So whenever the meeting happens that plans worship, if you are in that meeting, you can say, Oh, James could do that. Let me text him and see if he's willing sure. to read a Bible verse on Sunday morning, right? Um, because a lot of times the siloing of that is so deeply structural sure. that like the the only way to undo it is to physically to like to physically embody it, mm -hmm. right? And so that means like you taking your actual body into places that it was not before worship planning meetings, mission committee meetings, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And, and let me add to that a little bit too. So um, <clears throat> one of the pushbacks that, that I often get from youth ministry leaders when we 
when I bring up this topic, I, I won't speak for both of us. I will just speak for me at this point. When yeah, no, I speak for both up, of us, it's fine. No, that's a dangerous game, friend. When dangerous game. all people in the world speak to <laughs> youth ministry leaders. <laughs> when I have spoken with youth ministry leaders, um, they ask, okay, that all sounds great, but how, right? How do I even yes. do that? Because the youth worship takes place at the same time as the adult worship does. And this is where it gets into that hard place that you were talking about and saying structurally, sometimes the silos are baked in. And so you have to break mm -hmm. into the structure and the schedule of the church, which is not easy yeah. to be able to move when these things happen, right? Right. So don't create competing events with each other. If you want youth in yeah. worship or if church leadership wants to see youth in worship, Say, you know what, we can make that happen, but that does mean we need to move this part of the youth ministry to a different time or place so that we can fully engage here. We also want to see the youth and probably myself in some sort of serving role during worship, right? How do we fully involve youth in liturgy, youth uh, in, with hymns and, and leading song or being parts of offertories, prayers, right. um, even perhaps sharing in messages sometimes, right? Um, so and, how for example, and, and I don't mean like Youth Sunday. In fact, right. I think Youth Sunday should be canceled until youth are present every Sunday. I had no idea you were part of the cancel culture thing, but okay. Oh, no, I, oh, I'm all the cancel culture. Now, <laughs> uh, the other thing though is I think, Again, we're adults and we're in a we're in a season in the adult world where we want to separate things and be very black and white. Okay. Um, but it doesn't always have to be like we have to cancel youth and do it at a different time, right? You can you can step closer to that. Sure. So for example, uh one of the things that we started doing was like when like the, the first step was me teaching an adult class. And when I taught the adult class, I would teach something that I might teach to students. And we allowed students, we said, we said, there's three options tonight. There's this class that is meeting the youth facility taught by youth volunteer. There's this class that is also meeting the youth volunteer facility taught by youth volunteer. Then there's this class that Pastor Jeremy is teaching mm -hmm. in the adult area. There will be adults in the room too. Right. Yeah. And so now now we're like, OK, and you can do that. Then we started to try to help plan, help the adults plan um, interesting things that like might work for some of our students that were really wanting more. I don't know. I hate this term, but serious Bible study. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when I wasn't teaching, we might add one of those to our list and say, like, this is going to be really cool. And of course, we made sure that it was somebody that we knew that the, that would the teenagers would be okay with right uh so that like you can gradually you can sort of step your way that way without going cold turkey because yeah. the time that i canceled our youth worship um just cut it off all I of remember, a sudden i remember this story it was one of the hardest things that i did it was important we had to do it but man yeah it's, it's a lot easier to to take little steps Okay. So, so a few more little steps, right? Like if I'm thinking right. about myself as a youth ministry leader, um, <clears throat> how can I create a schedule where I can either serve in worship or even simply attend worship regularly, right? Because if I'm not seen, if I am not connected with uh, the congregation and the youth ministry, anytime that I make asks related to the youth ministry, people are going to say, who is this person and why in the world should I say person? yes? Because I, I don't right. recognize them. Similarly, little baby steps. Um, 
Are there like lunch events or are there things that happen during the day at your church that you could attend and be a part of, even if you're not leading, right? Have some face time with folks that are there. So attend luncheons, uh, adult classes, don't skip the council meetings. I I know that that one might be a struggle, but like, Listen, you want to build relationships and and with the leaders that are serving on those councils. So so be in those meetings. And if there's not youth that are part of the councils, start to build relationships and rapport there so that you can be an advocate and sort of work on their behalf. And and really look for those gatherings that are outside of youth ministry to help you connect with the rest of the congregation. One well, other one that Sam that, has. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the last one that that I don't think I've seen anywhere else, but one of the brilliant observations that Sam has is if you have any kind of background in pastoral care, talk with the pastoral leadership about getting yourself into the visitation rotation um, for people that are on the prayer list, um, right. making Hospitals. calls, to, it, 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 hospital visits, um, at home, you know, stay, uh, shut in kind of visits, doing those. Um, is a tremendous opportunity to build further relationships and connections that normally wouldn't be considered youth ministry. All right, go yeah. on. Yeah, and I think part of this too is is a way of thinking about youth ministry uh, when you're talking about getting yourself involved in other places. It's a way of thinking about youth ministry that's really important. And that is you don't have to do it all. In fact, if you have to do and be at it all, you're not doing it right. So that was one of the things that we had to do. We we had a youth worship service. It was at the same time as our other services. But let's be clear. I was at a church that had like 900 ch- church services that all competed with each other anyway. So this was just another one. Um, but we found ways for me to be involved either like at the beginning of the service or at the end of the service or whatever, or to miss miss every third week. Um, and then, uh, and then I could be fully present in other places and it all ran without me being around, which is an important thing to be able to happen. Right. It Um, creates sustainability, right? Yeah. Like it, it allows the ministry to be and to grow and to, to become all the things that it should be because you're, you're not carrying the whole thing by yourself. Great observation. Right. And it's like theology too. Like it's like embodying this idea that that we are all the body of Christ, you know, and that yeah. that uh, that there is this priesthood of all believers. Um, and so you don't have to have some specifically qualified person to do everything. Right. Um, uh, and that's really important. It's really important for students to see that um, because that's going to be important later in their life. Right for them to understand. Oh, if I want to, if I would like for our church to uh, partner with the uh, downtown homeless ministry, I need to do that. Yeah, right. Right. It's not that I, I need to get the pastor to do that. I need to do. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Yeah, yeah. And if you're also able to kind of model that idea of shared support and that kind of stuff, if a, yeah. if a young person takes the initiative to do that. And then has a leader who's also modeling how to invite others into leadership and to serve as well. Um, mm-hmm. The whole thing just becomes this really, really healthy model that can kind of get ingrained within the church itself um, and get away from that idea of here's big church. Here's the stuff that, you know, the adults do. And here's the mm-hmm. things that youth and the children get to do instead. 
And so one of the things that I think is really important to do to advocate for in in doing this is just that anywhere, anywhere where there is an adult that is not sort of ordained and has specific um, ordination duties, anywhere where there is an adult doing anything, especially in worship, a youth or a child should be allowed to do that. Yeah. Right. Yep. I agree. Um, and, and and obviously you got to figure out who those right children and youth are. Not, not everybody's sure. going to be comfortable um, with right. like an upfront role. Um, right. But you know, I've, I've even been in churches, right. Where there's um, some really neat um, sort of intergenerational stuff that'll happen in worship because youth get invited to help like in the tech booth, right. If they're going to help, right. oh, for sure. uh, if, if you're in a church that has slides or, or sound and those kinds of things, um, there are so many ways for young people to be present and engaged yep. in worship with everyone um, that don't feel like you're boxing yourself in by only thinking about the youth who could be up front. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, and, and let's just be honest, as long as this, the youth or child is okay with being up front, whether or not they're going to be good up front, fair shouldn't really matter. Yeah. Right. I, we had a, a kid who was like outgo outrageously wonderful, had a speech impediment um, and just spoke differently than other people. But uh, when we were looking for, um, for someone to read uh, the Bible verse for one week, we said, Oh, let's get James to do it. And then somebody was like, you think he'd be comfortable? Like, Oh no, no, he will be totally comfortable. Like he is not bothered by the way that he speaks differently than other people uh, up front. Um, it's the other people. And and the thing is, is like, if it's a, that's the, the fortunate side of the way people uh, look down at children and youth is they also will forgive, forgive them from not being perfect at something in a way they might not an adult. Right. So they stumble over the words. They're like, Oh, it's like my grandkid. It's so great that they're even up there, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. When, and, you know, talking about the, the follow-up to that too, right. Just putting youth and yourself in places to be with the whole congregation. When that young person is up front, um, have them hang out after the service too. Right. If there's yeah. coffee in the fellowship hall, if you know, like, you know, let yes. them build those relationships and, and get the high fives. Exactly. I mean, that that's yeah. the stuff that really, really builds up the entire community of a church. Anyway, um, Jeremy, great conversation today. Um, yes. Really, really important topic. And um, thank you for the very practical suggestions for how to kind of start to break down and break out of those silos. Um, specifically, I had never thought about the the furniture labeling thing, but I need to go think about that now that we're now that we're done, because it's it's not just groups inside the church, right? Like uh-huh. if, if you're at a church that has a preschool, um, mm-hmm. I, I have seen meetings almost come to blows, right? Because, excuse me, you are using the preschools stuff and, <laughs> you know, you, you want a good relationship with that preschool director as the youth person serving at a church. Listen, Chris, and I'll close with this. Um, <laughs> uh I, I walked in to this church that at the moment we were just beginning to try to de-silo. I walked in and the person who was over the uh, youth praise band was on the stage and they had this, there was just this strange buzzing noise 
that they were doing. And, and I, and I, I said, what, what are you doing? They were like, they had the microphone and they were like doing it. And I was like, and, and they said, oh, I'm carving youth ministry into the microphone. They had some sort of like Dremel oh, or no. something where they were, they were actually carving it in. I was like, why are you doing that? And they're like, well, the Sharpie won't stick on this. And I'm like, oh God, it, it's really, it's not, that's not the youth ministry's microphone. That's yeah. the church's microphone. And anyone who wants to use it can use it. And if they don't bring it back, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And that, like, what a permanent symbol, right? Of time. <laughs> right. Do not touch. Absolutely. Like we carved nothing yeah. into anything, right? The trustees would kill us if we had put a hole in the wall to hang up oh. a poster. But man. Funny, funny. Uh, well, folks that are listening live, thanks for hanging out for the Youth Worker Recharge. Jeremy and I do this uh, Monday afternoons, usually two o'clock central. Um, we try to find topics that are a lot of fun to engage with um, and and can make a big difference in your ministry. Um, Jeremy, thanks for hanging out. Really looking forward to the conversation we get to have next week. Yes. See you then. 